we got our guy, and I could not be more thrilled. I'm truly blessed to be the next head football coach at Duke University. Now is the time uh, to jump on board, to come be part of this program. Uh, we'll make you proud, I promise. We'll get this thing where you guys want it to go, uh, to where that experience, when you do show up on Saturdays, is everything you hoped it would be, and, and it's a lot of fun being out there. We are less than three weeks away from the 2022 Duke football season starting, and what better way than to have our predictions episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, and Scott Medlin. And before we get to the nitty-gritty of this episode, fellas, I figured we'd talk a little bit about fall camp, how things have been going so far, and overall our our impressions of the Elko era beginning and what we like, some things that we're not so much concerned about, I would say, but just some some areas that might need some improvement. Uh, Jamie is going to sit this one out. He's been spending more time at the beach than at fall camp. So Jamie will be on mute. But Josh, why don't you start us off with your initial thoughts of fall camp? Yeah, shout out Jamie, man. Uh, I'll trade you, man. I'll trade you. I'll go to the beach. You can go to practice. But yeah, uh, been really neat. We've been at, at fall camp and been to, we've, we've had a presence at most practices uh, whether it be just one of us or sometimes a couple of us are able to go. And uh, what we've really seen is we've really seen an improvement and an uptick from spring ball. Uh, obviously with spring ball, you had the coaching staff that has just been put together. They're just kind of trying to figure out what, you know, this is going to feel like and be like uh, now here in fall camp, you see a little bit more cohesiveness uh, with the way things are run. Uh, the, the word that's been a buzzword within the program since Mike Elko showed up has been energy. Uh, you definitely see that in practices. And so you see energy moving from one thing to another. Uh, you see kind of the standard uh, set fairly high. Uh, a couple of names, though, that we kind of, you know, we, we obviously won't discuss uh, too deep or anything here, but some guys that have impressed us. Some of these guys just showed up and they're here in fall camp. Other guys impressed us in the spring and continue to impress us you know, into the fall. I think a couple of guys, true freshman-wise, that we're going to see quite a bit of is uh, is VJ Anthony, uh, a local Durham product from Jordan High School here in Durham, plays that defensive end, that edge rusher spot. He's a tall, uh, strong kid who really does. Uh, he's six foot six. He's six foot six. Looks like a basketball player out there, really. Um, and he has got some speed off the edge. He doesn't look like a true freshman out there, and. Same can be said uh, for cornerback uh, Chandler Rivers. Doesn't look like a true freshman. He's built. He's he's a, he's a he's a strong kid. He's got a really knack for the football. A couple, several interceptions throughout camp, um, and then a couple of more. Even yesterday uh, or this past weekend at the scrimmage, uh, when when he jumped around and almost had another interception. So he's all around. So there's the two from from spring camp, spring ball that are kind of translating over that you're going to see a lot of. And then, uh, you know, it's obvious the the transfers in the secondary. Uh, you've, you've heard a lot about Darius Joyner, and for good reason. He has a knack for the football. Jalen Stinson mentioned this past weekend in, in media interviews that they're really looking to create more turnovers, obviously. And I think Joyner is going to be a key to that. And then you got Speedy Young um, over on the, on, on the edge, on the end there at DB. Uh, coming in from Iowa State, honestly, he doesn't necessarily wow you with some plays like like uh, Joyner has, 
Um, but he's he's steady. And so those are some of the names. Obviously, the big thing that we were able to break uh, over the last few days coming out of fall camp is the fact uh, that Jordan Moore and Riley Leonard, while they are still in a quarterback battle, while there's not been a quarterback named, um, we do we have seen over the last few practices that Jordan is starting to split time, uh, taking some reps with the wide receivers. And when we say that, just to bring some clarity to this, they're not running gimmick plays for Jordan at wide receiver. It's not that he's playing wide receiver and they're doing like wide receiver pass or they're doing some weird gimmick stuff. No, he's lining up as a wide receiver and he's running routes. Um, he's, he's beating the defense. He's a legitimate athlete. And so the way that I'm referring to Jordan moving on really is I'm thinking of him. If you look, if you look at the recruiting websites, you see some of those players that just don't have a position. They're just called an athlete. And I think Jordan needs to be looked at that way. You're going to see him in the backfield at quarterback. You'll probably see him in the backfield at running back. And you're going to see him at wide receiver. And so get used to that. doesn't mean Jordan is not going to win the starting quarterback job. It does not mean that you're never going to see Jordan throw the ball. Uh, but it does mean that Mike Elko is, is committed, and we believe this, and Kevin Johns are both committed to putting the best 11 players on the field at the same time. So in that commitment, he's putting his money where his mouth is. With that being said, I'll, I'll throw to Scott. Sorry for taking up the time, but I've been to a lot of practices, so it's all good. Um, I believe an underlying reason for this. Now, Coach Elko has not confirmed this with us, um, even off the record, but I think an underlying thing and the reason why they're willing to do this with Jordan Moore is because of how impressive true freshman Henry Bielan has been um, in fall camp. True freshman coming out of the Bronx, New York, was not able to be here during spring ball, so obviously there was no expectation but what we have seen is he's not ready to start. He's not ready to, to be that guy. But I will say uh, that you you feel a little bit more comfortable with Jordan and Riley or Jordan playing those other positions because you know that Henry is there if needed. And I believe he can contribute. So I think all those things work together for us putting the best 11 football players on the field. And so that's kind of my thoughts from, from fall camp and then uh, from uh, the, the first scrimmage over this past weekend. So. Scott, uh, anything you, to add, Brian? No, Sorry, man. Are you, are you sure you're done? Because you threw it to Scott, and then you took another probably five minutes to give your sorry. thoughts. I feel like I'm sorry. in church with you. I'm One sorry. more I thing, have, guys. One more thing. One I more thing. Pastor. I have a pastor. We got to get. We got to get to the restaurant. So let's hurry up and finish. Yeah. So some of the things that I've noticed here, um, and I've only been able to be to a few practices, but um, just the the reps that everybody's getting, and it's not one of those things where it's simple. This is first team, second team, third team. There are guys interchangeable, moving around everywhere. Sometimes you'll see guys, you know, be like, whoa, 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 he was just out there, but he's with the next group. So that's one of the things that I think they're trying to get some versatility. They're also moving guys around a little bit, which is, well, like we said, a great thing. One of the guys that actually stuck out to us uh, or to me Saturday was Nick Lampert. He made a couple nice catches there on the sideline. And, you know, just it was funny. Um, you know, you don't see – we're getting to the point where we're getting ready for the season to start. And Coach Elko Saturday – I guess I can say it was Saturday. He was making sure that the players they, – they were not running the, the drills the way he wanted it. So he made sure that we, we started the uh, – the session over again at least three times. And he was definitely telling him what he thought of the situation and why they what they needed to do better. So after that, though, after the, about the third time, 
they got the message. They understood exactly what he's wanting to do. And it was good to see that, uh, that, you know, these guys doing different things. And one of the things that definitely stepped out, uh, shown out to us, and we saw with the open practice last week, it looks like Jacob Monk is going to be the center this year. It looks like he's going to take over for Jack Wollenbaugh. His 73 years that he was at Duke, Jacob's going to be there and take over. And Jacob's done a great job. He's really, I mean, he's been with the program, this is what, fourth year, third year. So opportunity is there. I think he's going to do a great job. And, you know, just the different things like that. But definitely being able to see different guys move around, different things like that, and watching the coaches coach. And, you know, watching the DB coach 30 yards behind the play, telling guys what to do right. Or, hey, when the receiver comes at you like this, you do that in the little scrimmages. So just, you know, things you wouldn't see on a regular basis. So it's one of the things that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Um, and then watching the intensity um, on Saturday, this past Saturday where they split up and they were doing situational drills and the defense against the offense and the sidelines talking, not not going at each other, but cheering their guys on. And uh, that was something great that I really, really thought was really good. And, you know, when the one team won, they were really happy. The other team was sad. So it was, it was kind of funny watching that. But, yeah, it's definitely – you can tell the guys are ready to start – playing against somebody new. And I think once we start once they get through this next week, they're done with the 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 initial part of practices, they start game planning and we finally they finally are able to see who the two deep are. I think we're gonna be okay. Um again, like Josh said, they're just trying to put the best eleven out there on each side of the football. And it doesn't matter who they are. And hey, that's what we want. We want the best eleven guys on the field to make Duke football do what it does. So, uh, breaking news coming out of Duke: Jack Wallabaugh gets one more year uh, to play center. So it'll be his 65th year at center for Duke football. <laughs> Sorry, a um, couple of things, and I won't belabor the point. I think Josh and Scott hit on a lot of things uh, just with fall ball, but I'll, I'll give my quick thoughts, and then we'll get into the meat of the episode with our predictions heading into the year. Love the intensity of this team. Scott mentioned it. Anytime that uh, a blue team player makes the play, the blue sidelines go crazy. Anytime a white team player makes a play against blue and white game, the white team goes crazy. The energy level from last year to this year is a thousand percent better. And it's every practice. And if you're not as excited as you should be, the coaching staff gets on you. They're trying to, I guess, instill that in every player's mind. Win, lose, or draw, we're going to be excited. Uh, the coaching staff is coaching, like Scott said, but they're teaching as well. If they're doing, if a player's doing something they don't understand or they're not doing it the way they want to, they're not just yelling at the player. Why, why can't you do this? They're showing them what to do. And that might sound elementary, but you got to remember. Well, I mean, let's be fair. Troopers just yelling at them, but the other people yeah, are telling them what to do. You're right. True. Troopers and, yelling and, and, at them. And it was a funny moment yesterday when uh, Josh and I were at scrimmage. The sprinkler system came on before they started the uh, blue and white scrimmage. And all we heard was Trooper saying, real men play football in the rain. I don't know what y'all are complaining about. Loved it. Trooper, you my man. I love you to death. Um, But it's just, you know, one personal thing is the coaching staff has been very accommodating to the media, not just us, but everyone. Uh, They realize that, we help get their message out and we get 
what we see to, out to the general public because they cannot see this every time we go there. And fans have started asking, hey, how can we go to practice? Well, you can't, but we're going to do everything we can to tell you what's going on. And, oh, by the way, if you didn't see our tweet, over 50 former Duke players were at the Blue-White game yesterday or at some practice or in some capacity. That's saying a lot about what this staff is doing. Um, but my last takeaway is it wasn't really an offensive or defensive advantage in the scrimmage yesterday. I don't see that as a bad thing because then all we would be talking about is, well, the offense looked great, but the defense looked terrible. Or the defense was running on all cylinders. What are we going to do on offense to score points? And Coach Elko kind of alluded to that in one of his press conferences a couple weeks ago. He's like, well, someone got an interception offensively. What did we do wrong there? What did the quarterback do wrong? Or if the defense gives, gives up a touchdown, okay, who was it that gave up a touchdown? So it's kind of hard to cheer one side, but also get on the other side. But from what I saw yesterday, I'm 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 highly impressed with where we're at right now because these guys had to take on a new system, both offensively and defensively. Excuse me. And from April on, they've had to learn it. I feel like they're ahead of the curve. And even Coach Johns told us this. The quarterbacks are just taking in all this stuff, and he's waiting for them to say, we can't do anymore. Stop feeding us information. But he's like, every time we tell them something, they want more. They want more. They want more. So I'm, I'm not on my meds this year, but that makes me cautiously optimistic as we head into the season. But I'm not going to ramble like Josh. I'm not going to throw it to Josh and then keep talking. So I'll stop right now. That's good, Brian. That's good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's been really good. We hope you guys have enjoyed what we've been able to do. If you don't follow us on Twitter, we want to encourage you to do that at Duke, at Duke FB Talk. We try to keep that updated even at practices while we're there some. Uh, you know, sometimes people are asking for information, and, and we honestly, there's not much to say. They're playing football. You know, sometimes you know, incredible things happen. Sometimes they don't. So, But if you follow us there, you'll see us as we kind of keep that uh, going. But we do want to give you our predictions um, we have done this the last couple of years. This past year, we uh, we put some a wager out there, and the wager was dinner. And um, Scott and Jamie and myself were the victors this year, this past year. And so Brian treated us to uh, a nice meal, a uh, Mexican restaurant in Briar Creek. Had a good time. Our friend J.J. Jackson from Lockdown Blue Devils this year was going to be with us tonight, but was unable to make it at the very last minute. And so what we're going to do, we'll let you know how we're going to do this. I have JJ's picks. Um, Brian's going to give us a quick rundown of the categories. You're also in this episode going to hear our season prediction as well. When we give the the uh, the the overall record, you're going to hear who we think we win and who we think we lose to. So like at the end of the day, this is kind of the whole season preview um, as well. So make sure you listen all the way through because you're going to hear what we think, like I said, after seeing the team in the spring and the fall. So Brian puts a lot of this together for us. I know Scott and Jamie would agree. Brian does a lot of this legwork. And so, Brian, let us know what we're going to be doing tonight, and then we'll jump right in it, man. And also, once this episode drops, you yourself, the fans, will have a chance to predict these as well. And Greg Webster won last year's fan prediction. We're, we're going to meet Greg at the season opener, hopefully, and get him his gift card. So, Greg, if you're listening, please try to be at the Temple game because we'd love to give you your gift. So basically it's this, the four of us are going to determine who we think is going to lead the team in passing yards, touchdown passes, or throwing touchdowns, sorry, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, 
receptions, receiving yards, and reception touchdowns. And then on the de- defensive side, who's going to lead the team in inter- interceptions, tackles, and sacks? And as Josh said earlier, if I can talk, <laughs> what the team's overall record will be and who we will be. We will also have some fun side bets in case we do have a tie like we had last year. There will be no ties this year. I am not paying for three more guys. My wife gave me an earful when I got home that night and told her how much I spent on these three guys. So we will have one and one winner alone between the five of us, JJ included. I will figure out how, if there is a tie, how we can break this. But that's it. And we will have, you know what, Josh? How about this? How about we include the side bets as well for the fans? Let them have some fun. We can do that. All right. So without further ado, I I think we need to get going. And I I think the man who's been on mute for the last 20 minutes should go first. Jamie, you still awake? You still there? Jamie? Yep, there he is. Okay. So, Jamie, uh, okay, well, let me ask you this. Does everyone think that Riley Leonard is going to be – Dude, we're going to find out. We're about to we're find, gonna out, find Ryan. out. Okay. Don't, Leonard, okay. I thought, Don't get ahead, bro. Don't get ahead. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Okay. I thought our quarterback was Daniel secrecy. Jones. We're sworn don't, to secrecy. Jamie, don't start me, man. Don't, okay. don't, don't, don't start. <laughs> I've been gone for so long. I thought I, <laughs> I missed like three quarterbacks. Yeah. A- after Jamie gets done recording the episode, he's actually going to the beach again. So, all right, Jamie, get us started. Who is going to have the most passing yards for Duke this year? Well, I mean, as y'all talked about during fall camp with Jordan Moore taking some reps at wide receiver, I feel like it's trending towards Raleigh Leonard being our QB1. So my answer for most passing yards is Raleigh Leonard. Now, am I giving the amount of passing yards to? That's what I thought. Okay. I'm going to go with 2,831. And, and just to clarify, and I forgot to mention this, and this is for you, the fans, to know as well. If we all pick the same player, the tiebreaker is whoever got closest to the season, actual season mark. So you said 28-31? 28-31 for Raleigh Leonard. Scott, you're up. All right. Well, I will go Raleigh also. Um, I'm going to go 2,200. A nice even number there, Scott. I like it. Um, well, guys, I'm going to do the same with Riley Leonard. Um, and I'm going to land in the middle of you guys. I'm going to go Riley Leonard. I'm going to go 2,498 yards. 2,498 for Riley Leonard. Brian. Brian's muted. This all good. So uh, you know, I'm trying go. to enter the information as well as talk. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to go in between both you and Scott, Josh. I'm going to go with Riley Leonard, 2,350 yards, 2,350. Josh, who did uh, who did J.J. have? All right, let me pull that real quick. J.J. has Riley Leonard. Oh, man, he went low on this. He went Riley Leonard, 1,782 yards for J.J. Wow. So I went super high. Like, <laughs> I went way higher than everybody. It's else. not really super high. It's it's kind and, of like a, a good yeah. normal season. But we'll see. What, we'll see. <laughs> and for preface, folks, we have no idea. This is going to be probably the most wild card prediction episode we're going to have during the Elko era because we don't know what to expect, what 
Kevin Johns is going to throw out there. So one of us could be right on the money and the rest of us could be way out in left field. So this is going to be fun to watch throughout the season for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we're heading on to the next one, Brian, we're going to go um, uh, touchdown passes. So we all obviously, I'm well, who is it going to be and how many um, I'll give JJ's. How about that to start off? And then we'll roll around. JJ has Riley Leonard. And JJ has 16 touchdown passes for Riley Leonard. JJ has Riley at 16. Uh, I'll go next. And just to preface, uh, Anthony Dillwig has the the Duke record, 24 touchdowns all the way back in 1988. Kind of giving a hint as to what one of our side bets is going to be. So, but I'm going to go Riley Leonard. I'm going to go two less. I'm going to go 14 touchdowns. And I think that plays into when we get to the running back section as to why I put less than that, 14 total. Scott? I have Riley Leonard. Go figure. And I'm going to split y'all's difference, 15. In a shocker, I have Riley Leonard. And I think I'll go with 17 touchdowns. Man, Riley, I love you, man. I really do. Riley's a great guy. Got to know him a little bit. I'm going low on this. I'm going to Riley Leonard 12. I think when we get in the red zone, we're going to run the ball. I think we're going to see a lot. Well, I'll get there. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit different when we get in the red zone. So, I'm going to Riley Leonard 12. No, and let's let's give our reasons why. You know, yeah, I just feel like once we get within the 20, I think that the playbook is going to open up. And I think, as we have spoken about on this podcast, Jordan Moore is going to be on the field. And so, at the end of the day, I don't know how that's going to look once we get closer to the goal line. And so that's why I'm saying that I believe that his touchdown passes are going to need to be, a lot of them are going to be outside of the red zone. So that's why I'm going a lower number. That's my reason. Okay. I think this next category is going to be the most randomized between the five of us. And that is the running back uh, situation. We're going to go with rushing yards and rushing TDs. And from everything we've seen, it is going to be, running back by committee. We're not talking just two running backs, maybe not even three, possibly four running backs could be in the mix this season for Duke football. So I'm very interested to see what everyone put down. So Josh, let's uh, let's start with you. Who do you have for your guy going with the most rushing yards for Duke this year? Okay, I'm going for the player is going to be Jalen Coleman. I'm going Jalen Coleman. And then I'm going uh, rushing yardage. I'm going 478. 478 yards for Jalen Coleman. Why do you – Why I'm just curious because, again, yeah. I, 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 why do you think uh, Jalen's going to be the basically the bell cow for So, Duke? at the end of the day, here's the way I'm looking at it. First of all, let's, let's think back to, like, what is it, 2013, where we basically ran four guys. Okay, so I think it's going to be very similar to that. If you look back at those numbers, it's consistent. Uh, there, I believe that Jordan Waters is probably the most complete running back out of out of the f- the four or five guys in the room, but I feel like he is more of a short yardage guy. He's a bulldozer. He's going to run over guys. I feel like Jalen Coleman uh, gets out in the open a little bit and can put together long runs uh, a little bit better than than Jordan Waters. That's why I went with him. Uh, it would not surprise me though if Coleman and Waters finish you know neck and neck there on yardage. I just went with Coleman because I figured. Honestly, the rest of you guys might go with Waters. <laughs> and so I went with Coleman. Let me – you want me to give you JJ's real quick? Yeah, let's go ahead. You've got JJ's uh, answer. Yep. So, yeah, anytime you go, you can just tell us let's, what his is. So he's going Jordan Waters, and he's going 792 yards, Jordan Waters. So he's got Jordan Waters leading that leading that room, and he may be right. So 
we we might have to get JJ on to go through all of his uh, reasons. Cause I mean, well, JJ, in fairness, in fairness, JJ's not been at fall. He's not he, been at fall. He hasn't. He hasn't. So he just he been, hasn't seen those You know, he's so. down in Alabama. I know. So I, I can't give him too much grief. Uh, I'll go next really quick since I'm unmuted. Uh, just a, a little tidbit that I found. So I went back in the Kevin Johns era when he was actually a the lone offensive coordinator. So we're talking from 2014 when he was at Indiana all the way until last year when he was at Memphis. I see this year being like the year that he was at Texas Tech. And the reason why I say this is this. He had four running backs with at least 300 yards or more for the season. So I I, I have no idea what, what he's got, you know, thinking in his mind. But I think this team, while not Texas Tech, he could run the same style playbook based off of who we have. Now, with that being said, I'm going with Jordan Waters as well. I'm only three yards off of Josh. I'm at 475 yards for Jordan Waters. Just from what I've seen, I understand what Josh is saying about being a, a, a short down back, but I've also seen some signs of explosiveness. If he can get free and if that offensive line can create the holes that we've seen, he could do some damage in the open field. So Jordan Waters, 475 yards. Jamie, Scott, who's next? Jamie? Um, I'm also going with Jordan Waters. Just my reasoning is his experience uh, being behind Mateo last year. I know he didn't get too many touches, but he does have game experience and ACC game experience. And we've seen some big runs from him. But I'm still – I'm like you guys, I'm not going to go high because I believe – honestly, I believe that Waters and Coleman could be really close. I'm going to go Waters with 502 yards for the year. All right. Um, I'm going to go Jordan Waters. Um, and my reasoning on why I'm going to go with the amount, and, you know, maybe this is a cop-out, if we do go the four backs, preseason looking at it, two of the two of the four have experience. Coleman and Waters. When we get towards ACC play, will those other two backs still get those six to ten touches during the game? They may. And I think if you want to keep a fresh room, you will. But I don't know how the system is going to run completely. So that's why I'm going Jordan Waters 650. And I think that's because when we get to ACC play, him and Coleman could be 1A, 1B. It, that part really doesn't matter to me. But I think he will get more yards than Coleman at the end of the day. And and just so that for the listener, the other two guys we're speaking of this, that are really filling this room out, and there's and there's others. But we're talking about the more the more boys, Jaquez Moore, who really showed out in the spring game, and then Terry Moore, a true freshman as well. There are other guys, Eric Weatherly, uh, Eric Weatherly, Travis Bates, other guys that are in that room that are fine. But we're just kind of seeing this four man, uh, kind of interchangeable guys um, there. That's that's kind of why this one is so ambiguous. You ready to move on? All right, let's move on. Yep. Let's go to uh, rushing touchdowns. So we had rushing yardage. We had some disagreements on uh, rushing touchdowns. I'm going to give you mine and JJ's because they're exactly identical. Uh, myself and JJ, identical. We both had Jordan Moore, and we both had the number eight. Jordan Moore, 
with eight touchdowns. All right. Um, I'm actually going to go – I'm going to stay with Jordan Waters. Uh, I'm going to go seven. But just a fun thought before we get into the preseason camp, wouldn't it be exciting if it was Jordan Moore at quarterback, Terry Moore, and Quez Moore in the backfield all at the same time? Wouldn't you love to be the commentator trying to figure out which one was which? Scott, they can't Steve, see the numbers. Steve Wiseman said the exact same thing yesterday to us at practice. He was like, and we that's have probably see, who I heard say it first. To yeah, be honest we've got to see a more, more, more package. Yeah, the more, more, more package. Jamie. Yes, sir. I am going just like Josh and JJ. I'm going to go with Jordan Moore. Um, they said eight touchdowns. I'm going to undercut them here. I'm going to go seven touchdowns and just see. I don't know. I mean, I hope he has 15, you know, so. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> so I'm going to be the one in disagreement, and I'm doing this purely off of what I saw yesterday. And I know I shouldn't just base it off of one performance, but I saw Jacquez Moore in the red zone. He had a lot of yards after contact. He just kept plugging and plugging and plugging along. I wouldn't be surprised if he could be our red zone back. Give, give you know, give Jordan a break, give Waters a break, give everyone a break. So I'm going Jacquez Moore, and seeing as he I see him as a red zone back, I've got him at nine. He might not do a lot of damage in the middle of the field, but in the red zone, I can see him being our, our red zone back. Brian, I'll take my state medium rare. Thank you. <laughs> No, no, Brian. Real quick, tell us because uh, you've got these historical facts. Remind us who the all-time rushing touchdown in Duke football history is. If you guessed Brandon Connett in 2013, congratulations. Yeah. There's another gentleman in 1941 that he shares the record with. I can't remember his name, and even if I said it, everyone. I, would I think he went to elementary school with Peter Dodge. I think they went to elementary school <laughs> together. So, well, well, I I think that was um. What's his face's first year under center? <laughs> yeah, Jack Walma. Jack yeah. Walma opened up a hole for him. And yeah. So it was great. That, that's how he got his 14. But yeah, Brandon Connett in 2013, for all you current Duke fans that would remember. All right. Now it's on to the receiving core. Who's going to have the most receptions for Duke football this year? Scott, why don't you go ahead and lead us off on this category? All right. Now, this to me, the running back room is a difficult guess or proposition. I think the wide receivers and trying to figure out who catches and most and all that stuff is going to be a difficult situation. Now, I know I'm getting head shaked at me. I understand. That's fine. Um, I'm actually going to go with – I've got something written down. I'm going to change it. I'm going to go ahead and change it right now. Curveball. I'm going to go with Jalen Calhoun, and I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I had Harding down for most receptions, but the more I think about it, I don't know if he's going to get as many touches as Jalen will. So I'm going to go with Jalen Calhoun, and I'm going to go with 70. But I do think Harding is going to get a lot more catches this year than he has in the past. Come on, Scott. Stick to your guns, baby. Let it, put it on the record. That Josh Cox and Jamie Holt are ride or die with Jalen Calhoun. We are ride or die with Jalen Calhoun. I'll give you mine real quick, 
and then we'll move get JJ's and move. Uh, but hey, I respect it. I respect it, Scott. Uh, I think it's Jalen Calhoun, and I'm putting the number at 67 uh, receptions for Jalen Calhoun. Um, and JJ Jackson has Jalen Calhoun, <laughs> and he has 68 receptions for Jalen Calhoun. So this, uh, it looks possibly a sweep coming here for our guy, prime time. Yeah. You know, last year, I mean, you had Jake Bobo, you know, getting 74 receptions, but Jalen Calhoun still had 56 receptions. So I, I look for Jalen Calhoun to build on that. So I'm going to try to do some. Once again, I'm going to try to not tie here. I'm going to go with 71 receptions. I think Scott said 70. I'm going to go with 71 receptions for Jalen Calhoun. I, I really think he's going to be the guy in the wide receiver room this year. So we're all in agreement that Jalen Calhoun will not break Jamison Crowder's single season record of 108 receptions. I, I think that record's safe. And and it has nothing to do with Jalen Calhoun. It probably has everything to do with the people throwing him the football. Yeah, true. All right. I went Calhoun as well. Clean sweep. So this category will be whoever gets closest uh, to the actual number. Come on, go I'm over, actually, Brian. Let's do it. Oh, I am. I'm going 75. I think that from what I saw yesterday, screenplays count as receptions, right? Absolutely. Saw a lot of screenplays. I'm not not bringing up bad memories. It is part of the Kevin Johns offense, as Josh told me many times. Um, I just think he's going to be utilized in so many ways than being a down-the-field receiver. He's going to be in the middle of the field. He's going to be – I think he – didn't he line up with the uh, backs at one point? He did. So he, he lined up. He lined up with the running with the running back. Yesterday. I mean, if you look at the definition of an athlete coming as a recruit, Jalen Calhoun has been that for Duke football during spring and fall ball. So Calhoun, seventy-five receptions. Let's keep this train rolling. Receiving yards. Receiving yards. Josh, you're unmuted still. Why don't you go ahead and give us yours and JJ's? Yeah. All right. So receiving yards. Um, and by the way, I I think if you hear a lot of Jalen Calhoun, it's because number one, he's earned it. And number two, it's because all the other guys, we see the potential. We see the Eli Pankles. We see the Jordan Moores. We see the Daryl Hardings. We see the Samir Hagans. We see all those guys. But until we see that in a game, I think it's hard to really put our put our money behind it, right? So that's kind of why you're seeing this. I've got Jalen Calhoun. I've got 843 receiving yards. 843 uh, for Jalen Calhoun. J.J. Jackson has Jalen Calhoun for 813. 813 receiving yards. Jamie. In a in a shocker, I've got Jalen Calhoun. Uh, I look for him to build on last year where, he, you know, he had 718 yards receiving. So I'm going to go 825 for Jalen Calhoun, 825. All right. I'm going to go with Jalen also, obviously. Um, I think – with the emergence of the Samir Hagans and the Pankle and a Harding, I do believe that Jalen will be really close to what he had last year. I'm going to go 750, but I do believe that the ball will get spread around a little bit more and these other guys will make catches and we'll use, well, I'm hoping we use the really tall guy at the goal line to throw the ball in the air. So, again, another Jamison Crowder record that won't be touched. 1,300 
and 60 yards in that 2013 campaign. That was a man amongst boys right there in the ACC. I'm going Jalen as well. I think he is going to build off of last year. I'm going, am I the highest again? Yes, I am. 850 total yards in receiving. I, I don't know. I just, I think this is going to be his break, breakout year. Um, and what a better way to do it than the the first year under Coach Elka. So Jalen Calhoun, 850 yards. Let's go to receiving touchdowns. This one might be a, a, a wild card because obviously Jalen's taken the mantle for receptions and receiving yards, but there could be uh, some unusual suspects for this category. Um, Jamie, go ahead and get us started on receiving touchdowns. Who do you think is going to lead the team? This one was tough, actually. Um because I wanted to say, I mean, honestly, I came down to two guys. One was Nikki, and the other was obviously Jalen, because I'm a Jalen fanboy. Um, I'm going to go with Jalen again. He had he only had three touchdowns last year receiving. But I look for him to build on that and get seven this year. But I think they'll spread it around a little bit more. So I still think that number – is going to be on the lower side. It's just, I believe the ball is going to be spread around quite a bit. I think with the new wrinkle that was thrown in there uh, Saturday officially, with Jordan Moore, uh, you know, a lot of that depends upon where they use him, what part of the field they use him, that wide receiver, if they use him in that position. Um, again, Nikki, great opportunity there at the goal line, bigger guy. But I'm going to go with Jalen for the clean sweep. And I'm going to go six touchdowns because there are, in my opinion, so many weapons, so many opportunities that the ball is – should. I mean, in a perfect world, and I think Coach Johns would agree with this also, and Coach Elka, the ball, he wants it to be spread around where everybody scores. And Duke scores 100 touchdowns. It doesn't matter who scores the 100 as long as Duke scores the 100. Yeah, Jamie, I'm glad that you changed your prediction for receiving receiving touchdowns because I am all in on Nicky Dalmolin. He has had a great uh, spring, summer, and fall. He's gained, what is it, Josh, 22 pounds of muscle, and he has been lightning fast from what we've seen. I think he's going to be utilized a lot in the end zone as well if we can't punch it in. I'm going Nicky Dalmolin. Seven touchdowns. All right. So um, I switched this um, halfway through and I had Jalen with a clean sweep. I'm actually going to change that. I'm going Nikki um, because he was my guy, other guy. I'm going to go Nikki at six. So I'm going to go Nikki Dalmala with six touchdowns. I think everything you guys said is very valid. Um, JJ has Daryl Harding Jr. with five touchdowns. Daryl Harding Jr. with five. Nikki is not a bad pick. It's going to be. Listen, I mean, he is. I, I don't really think this here. is a hot take. I think that professional football potential on this team, he is at the top. NFL potential. Because the NFL now, a tight end, you might as well be a wide receiver. And this dude, unofficially, through the grapevine, we've heard 
uh, his speed is like top five on the team as a tight end that is rushing uh, as running against running backs, DBs, wide receivers. This man is yeah, top man. five on the team. All you got to do, all you got to do is look right down the road in Charlotte where my guy Greg Olson just made a living just feasting down the middle of the field. Jamie, <laughs> God on my, Jamie. <laughs> This is not implant a Carolina Panthers reference every episode. Come on, dude. You're killing me. Well, before we move on to the secondary and the defense. Reminds me of a young Jason Witten. <laughs> thank you. Okay, we're good now. Does anyone want to guess what the single season record for touchdown receptions is? Mike, Mike's off, guys. Take a guess. Um, I'm going to go 14. By who? Clarkston Hines. Scott got the receiver. All right, so it's Hines. Maybe more than that, 16. maybe. 16? I think 18. I'll go 16. Y'all, 17. Oh, we missed it. We danced all around it. In 1989, the Spurrier nice. year. Spur. Nice, Old nice. Coach. Oh, Clarkston Hines. So we're moving over to the other side of the football then now, Okay. Uh, so the offense has had their day. It's time to talk a little bit of defense. There's not as much over here on this side of the football. Um, let's begin with interceptions, guys. Um, we've This is no shocker to Duke fans if you're listening to this. The secondary is a question mark. It is a major question mark as we move into the season. We know that we've got uh, several guys that have come into the program, uh, whether they be recruits or grad transfers. So this should be very, very interesting. So interceptions, who is going to uh, lead us in interceptions and then how many interceptions will they have? Uh, let's let's start with old, uh, old Scott. Start us off there. Yeah, the unmute is not my friend. Um, I'm going to go with Joyner because I think he, obviously from everything I've seen in practices so far, and I think the number may be low from what I've seen, though, but I'm going to go with Joiner five interceptions. I'll, I'll go next just to, just to give you guys a preference. I'm going to throw you all a bone. The Duke record in a single season for interceptions is only nine. All the way back in 1949, good old George Skipworth. So something to think about. Josh and Jamie, I'm giving you a little heads up. I remember I'm actually, that. yeah, He's I'm going. Great yeah, yeah, great player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Speedy Young. I like what I've seen so far. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, really, just plays football flat out. I'm going to go with four. I could see him getting four interceptions. Uh, I honestly think they will come earlier in the year, probably against our non-conference opponents if we can get to the quarter or uh, quarterback of the opposing team. But I think four is a, a, a healthy number for the secondary this year. Four speedy young. Um I was down honestly I was down to speedy and I went I went with the true freshman. I went with Chandler Rivers because he has been pretty impressive. And just seeing him on the field and obviously I've just watch more video that you and pictures and stuff and just reading y'all's tweets from being at the practice because I haven't I haven't been there this summer. But I'm gonna go with Chandler Rivers and this is the number that I was struggling with. 
I'm going to go six interceptions for a true freshman. I might have to check the rookie record for Duke and see what interceptions is. Josh, while you're talking, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, we'll see if you can find it. I'll go fast. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, so, I, Jamie, I actually appreciate you saying that because I was down to Chandler Rivers and the person that I'm going to actually select. Um, you know, I I test wise, Rivers jumps routes very very good. Like he has a good awareness, man. And like if you see if you see a slant route and you see the ball pop up in the air, look to see who made that play. And most times it's zero, man. It's Chandler Rivers. So I actually think that 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 could be. But I'm going to go with Darius Joiner. I'm going to go with him. He's a playmaker. Um, even though he played in, you know, in, in non-power five, non-D1 football, my man was all over the field. But I'm also going to stick that number low, and I'm going to say four. I'm going to say Darius Joyner, and I'm going to say four interceptions. Um, I'm going to give JJ's. So JJ is going to select someone who has not been mentioned yet, but he is a returning member of the secondary. And that is Daquan Money Johnson, and he has him at three interceptions. So JJ probably thinking the same thing we are. Some of us are is that our interceptions might get spread around a little bit, and maybe not one guy getting all of them. Um, and so he's JJ's going Daquan Johnson at three interceptions. Brian, did I give you enough time? You did. Thank you. This 2013 team, they man, they left their footprint. Breon Borders. Yeah, four, four interceptions. So Chandler, if you listen to this episode, four interceptions, my man. That's all you got to hit this season. Why don't you break a record in your freshman year? Breon Borders, straight out of Statesville, States Vegas, North Carolina, by the way. And uh, all right, so we're moving. Everybody went right. We got everybody on that. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Next, we're going to um, uh, this is a formality. Uh, let's go to tackles. Um, next, we'll go to the formality that is tackles. Uh, let's do this. Can we go ahead and all just agree that it's Shaka Hayward? Anybody going to go not Shaka? Everybody Shaka? All right. Oh, JJ no. Come Shaka. on, Josh. I Everybody tried to do Shaka. that with Riley. Come on. <laughs> well, that was the quarterback battle. There ain't no I know, battle. I know. There ain't no battle just for giving you tackler. <laughs> all right, Shaka, here we go. My number for Shaka is 106. 106. J.J. Jackson for Shaka, 103. 103. Yeah, um, Shaka had 97 total tackles last year. I also look for him to build on that. Um, I'll go 110 for Shaka, 110. The record for Duke for tackles in a season, just a paltry 188 by Mike Junkin in 1986. Wasn't that Spurrier's first year, or that was the year before Spurrier? First year. Way to impress the new coach. I'm actually going to go lower. Not because I don't think Shaka's going to do what he needs to do on the field. I think some other players are going to step up under this defense. Because as we said in the beginning of this episode, the energy level of this team is hands down probably a 1,000% more than what it was last year. So I'm going to say Shaka's still going to get a decent number, but that number is only going to be 95. His teammates are going to help him out this year. 95 for Shaka. Shout out Dory Mosey. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, um, there were 
you know, some different uh, formations that I hadn't seen before until the other day. So that may change the number some just a tiny bit, but obviously Shaka, I'm going to go with a hundred. I think a hundred build a little bit on it. I think triple digits for him. I mean, he's a tackling machine. He doesn't do a lot of talking, but there's a lot of tackling. Yeah. Yeah. Scott mentioned something and this is a side note, but like, Get ready, Duke fans. You will not see us just sitting in a four-two-five all the time. You're going to see some three-down linemen. You're going to see some four-three. You're going to see many different looks. And so, get ready for that. I'm I'm really excited about the defense. To finish out the defensive side of the football, this one is going to be interesting. Uh, this is sacks. Uh, the number of, of of sacks. Who's going to lead us in sacks, and how many uh, they will have. And so, uh, obviously, a couple of years ago, we went from being Big Vic and Chris Rump going after records to last year, our leader in sacks was an interior defensive lineman, which is not typically where you're going to get uh, your sack leader from. So, um, guys, who we got um, leading us in sacks? Jamie, you want to start us off? Tell us who you got and what the number is. Yeah, and on, I know you typically don't have an interior lineman leading you with, this, with sacks, but Man, I just love Dwayne Carter, and I love his motor. And he's got a non, just a nonstop motor, as we've seen throughout his career at Duke. And I think he ends up leading us in sacks, but with six and a half. Not a huge number, but I think the numbers spread around quite a bit where we might have multiple guys with, with multiple sacks, but I think Dwayne ends up leading leading the way. The Duke record is by Charles Bowser back in 1981. That was the the guy that Big Vic was going after. I think he missed it by like a sack, one sack, 17 and a half that season. Quite impressive. I'm going with the freshman. I'm going with uh, Vincent Anthony Jr., the third, as the Dan Patrick crew would call him. And I think he's going to have six sacks. I mean, just from what we've seen, I know it's just – Defense versus offense on the same team, but he was doing pretty well getting around the offensive line and getting pressuring the quarterback. I think there's going to be some teams that have some uh, problems with their offensive line, and I think Vincent can get by him and get the quarterbacks. I'm going to go Vincent Anthony Jr., the third, with six. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, thinking about it, and when I initially did it, I, I picked who I'm going to pick. But the more I thought about it, it was hard not to split between him, my pick, and Vincent Anthony. And at the end of the day, I love Dwayne Carter. That is my guy. That is, I think that is just the heartbeat of this team. And I'm going with eight sacks from Dwayne Carter. I'm clapping because my guy made it through without being – picked i've got a sleeper pick he had four and a half last year and that is defensive end rj open um i have open and here's why um because you guys picked other guys and i want to win and there's a good chance that rj open is going to get it because here he's only going to have seven i've got seven as my number and uh, and i'm going rj open um at the end of the day i believe a traditional defense Typically, your ends are the ones who get the sacks. So then it came down to, am I going to pick the true freshman 
I'm going to pick Oban. There seems to be the guys that are on those ends the most. And uh, and so I went with Oban. And so uh, we'll see we'll see how that shakes out. We'll see how that shakes out. That was my pick last year. I was just a year early. I, I really right. saw some was. promise with them. But I just, just with what I've seen, yeah, I think that's a great pick. All right, so now we're going to go to our overall record. Um, I'm sorry. You got JJ's? Oh, my bad, JJ. Man, JJ's out of it by now. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> he's <laughs> He went Dwayne Carter, five sacks. Dwayne Carter with five. And now we're going to go overall record. Um, and we're going to do our best, guys. Thank you for sticking with us through this. We're going to do our best um, right now as we head into this to, to kind of keep this as succinct as we can. We're going to give you um, what our record's going to be and who our wins are going to be against. Okay, is that cool? Everybody good with that? What the record's going to be, who the wins are going to be. I'm not going to – I promise you, I'm the pastor of the group. I am not going to comment on the wins. I'm going to say them, and I'm going to move on. I will tell you right now, Brian, we have JJ's. He has us at five and seven, but he was not – he did not send me who the five wins would be. So we we know he's got the number at five and seven. That's his prediction for this year. Okay, guys, I just thought about this, and this could even help us out even more to determine an actual winner. Should we give a point for every win you actually predict? That'd be good. Yeah, so if you predict the team that we beat and we beat them, that's an extra point for you. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. It's going to make it even better for me. Where's the mute button? <laughs> All right, I'm going uh, – okay, I, I – we could overachieve this year and we can make it a bowl game. My realistic thing, and I think Duke fans need to, need to understand this, I'm going four win, uh, four wins, eight losses. I'm going four and eight. My wins are Temple, Northwestern, North Carolina A&T, and Georgia Tech. Four and eight, Temple, Northwestern, North Carolina A&T, and Georgia Tech. I guess no one wants to go next. <laughs> now, last year I was on meds heavily, and I went a little too crazy. What did I say, eight and four? Something, yeah. something like that. We call it the, uh, the, the Cutcliffe kiss of death that Brian gave him last year. I don't know what I was thinking. And my uh, my apologies, Duke fans. I, I might have been the reason why we started out with a loss to Charlotte. Okay, I'm going to try to be civil this year and actually be just with my prediction. I'm going five and seven. I think we're going to beat Temple. Josh, yes, I know. We have talked back and forth about this. But after what I've seen, I think we're going to open the season off right with everything I've heard as well as, as how the game day atmosphere is going to be. We're going to go – basically, we're going to go 3-0. and like Josh said, we're going to beat Temple, Northwestern, A&T. We're going to beat Georgia Tech. And then we're going to ring that bell. Yep, I, I see the faces. And, and let me just preface by saying this. UNC lost their number two wide receiver for almost 10 weeks. Uh, six to 10 weeks, which means he'll probably be back for the Duke game. But between, I, I can't remember his name, and if you can remember, just chime in. Between him and Josh Downs, they are the only two wide receivers on UNC's team that have had ACC experience. Scott, do you know? Oh, you don't know? Oh, okay, I saw you. Wait, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Pause. Scott, you don't know the name of a, of the second wide receiver on Carolina's roster? Bro, I'm disappointed. Oh, man. Man. And, and then news coming out Ooh. yesterday, UNC lost their starting running back again. Yeah. I don't really know the names of UNC British players. Bush. 
British Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Oh, British now, Brooks. See, that's who go. I knew. That's what yeah. I was going to comment. He is out for the season. They have confirmed then, that, a lower uh, body injury. So yeah. I'm guessing probably ACL or Achilles. I think the wide receiver is like Andre something. I yeah. Who it is. But regardless, so, knock on wood, we have been very fortunate so far in fall ball. UNC seems like they have not been. And I don't wish injuries on anyone. But if we play the game in which I think we can play and we can contain Josh Downs, which is going to be a mountain of a hurdle to get over, we could very well beat them. It's just like with basketball. Records really don't matter if we bring our A game. So, again, I think we're going to beat UNC. We're going to bring the bell back, and we're going to see that bell for the rest of the home games for this year. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to say that Coach Elko gets us to a bowl game in his first year. And we're going to go six and six. Did you steal my meds? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I'm just looking at the schedule. I know, you know, a couple of the road non-con games are going to be tough. But our wins, I've got Temple, Northwestern, NCANT. And Kansas, I've got us sweeping the non-con, and then I got us moving on and beating Georgia Tech to get that elusive ACC win that we've so dearly been wanting. Uh, and then I got us beating Virginia Tech and Wallace Wade to get to six wins, and that would round up my six and six. Jamie, I don't tell Brian this. I actually see that happening a lot more than I see us beating UNC this year. That's, don't tell Brian. It's, it, Josh, I like my steak medium rare as well. <laughs> and when I'm ringing the bell looking at you guys, hey, I'm just going <laughs> to – Let's put it – if you win because of that pick right there, we have to go out to eat in Chapel Hill, and I've got to pay for your meal in Chapel Hill. If, if oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> just give me the cash value, please. Top of the hill it is. That's, That's right. Go ahead, Scott. All right. So, and look, honestly, if Brian is correct, they'll – we definitely will see the four of us on the field having a very good time that afternoon with the rest of y'all. Um, I'm not that bold, obviously. I'm going to go five and seven. I definitely think Temple. Definitely think Northwestern. Definitely A&T. Um, Kansas is a swing game. I, just because Lance Leipold is a great coach and third year there, but I still think Duke's going to be the better team. I think Duke will have a chance to establish themselves a little bit better, so I'm going to pick us to beat Kansas. Uh, my fifth win, that's where I have my trouble. I do believe we're going to beat Georgia Tech. And, you know, this is the, you know, the chance. I don't know. So, something tells me Pittsburgh. I don't know why. I, I don't know because – I want to beat Narduzzi so bad that it's driving me insane. Or that every time we play them, it's a video game. I do think the Virginia Tech thing can happen. So the Virginia Tech game to me is the swing, whether we go bowling or we don't. So, Scott, who are your wins, bro? I'm confused. You, you just <laughs> went on a Josh rant you, there. You're eight and, you got us at eight and four. I said five and seven. I know. So who's the five? But who? I picked the non-con. We're going to win the four non-cons. And then who's the one ACC? Georgia Tech's the fifth one. Okay, because then you were oh, like, oh. You, you didn't Tech. specify that because you're like, well, Georgia Tech, we can well, win that one. And maybe yeah, Virginia well, I'm Tech trying to look at the good. schedule over here on the wall as I'm doing this. So, to me, 
the Virginia Tech game is whether we bowl or not. I think we go into that game with five wins. I, it's them or Pitt. If we don't, then hey, as long as we stay healthy. So but twelve I think, and I. <laughs> no, I'm not that guy. Uh, no, I see. E- that even stuff. the year I picked the crazy number, I'm not that guy. Well, Josh, be sure to get JJ's teams that he uh, is yeah. predicting that yeah, we beat, gotta... just so we can be fair. And I, but... and I and 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 guys, by the way, we didn't mention Virginia. We didn't mention UVA game. If they were not returning Armstrong and a heck of a receiving core, I think all of us would like to pick that game because the Tony Elliott, was he coming to Duke? Is he not coming to Duke? Blah, 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 all that stuff. I think that's going to be a really interesting game. It's just hard for me to take Duke to beat Virginia when they return such a good quarterback and such a good receiving room. Well, we've gotten very serious, guys, with with who we think is going to lead the team as well as overall record. But now we're going to have some fun. Simple yeses or no side bets. In case we do have a tie in the categories that we just went through, I've got seven side bets very quickly. Guys, just yes or no. You can give a quick reason why you you gave your answer, but we're going to have a little fun. And again, fans, you will be included in these side bets as well. Tell us what you think. So let's just go ahead and get into this. Side bet number one, you know I had to ask it because I'm the Jersey czar. Guys, will we see the blackout combination this year? And I'm not talking blue helmet, black, black. I'm talking black helmet, black top, black bottoms. And for preface, we have not seen those jerseys since October 31st, 2020, against Charlotte in Wallace Wade. Yes, I do remember that. Scott, get us started, my friend. In the words of Daniel Bryan, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Josh? Oh, it's me? All right. Hey, a, a little birdie. Let's just look, can we drop a little podcast exclusive right here? Just a little birdies here. We're, we're hearing roundabout through the grapevine that we may see less and less of the script this year. So that's all we're going to say. J- Justin, can you insert the ABC breaking news music right exactly. there? That'd be great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm going yes. We will see the All Blacks. Jamie? Say yes that we will see the All Blacks, and we might even see them game one, Friday night. Dang. Ooh, bold like move. It. Bold move, Mike Elko. What better way to say this is the new era? Guys, you know what my answer is. It's going to be yes. With everything we've seen this coaching staff has done and everything we've heard both on and off the record, the players love it, the coaches love it, the fans love it. Give the fans what they want, coach. Come on. That's a yes for me. Josh, did JJ answer this one as well? No, he did not do these. And so at the end of the day, if he if there's a tie, we just win it. JJ owes us. JJ, you're gonna have to fly from Alabama yep. and uh pay for dinner, my friend. No doubt, dog. No doubt. All right, let's move on. And I threw this one in last minute. With every again, with everything we've heard, I've, I'm very excited. Will we debut either A, a New Jersey? Or B, a new helmet this year. I, okay, I'm going to say yes, and my only comment is, it could involve, and I have no insider info. I believe it would say yes. It could involve the color black and the Hellraiser. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe they looked at my design and uh, fed off of that. Scott, sign me up for that. 
1,000 times. Yes. And if that is the helmet combination, Brian may or may not lose his mind before the game starts. They will have to call security. Yes. Yeah, I think. And, and that, actually, it, Brian's going to be media that game, so he'll <laughs> that'll be even funnier. I, I I don't know. Maybe not with everything. We're, I'm getting pumped. I don't know if I – because you cannot cheer in the press box. I'm going to be sweating if I'm in the press box not being able to cheer. Sorry, Jamie, I didn't mean to interrupt and, and I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with no, our gameplay. It has everything to do with what we're wearing. Jamie and Brian just can't handle being in the press box if we have on all those all blacks. They, uh, crazy. If they come out with a black helmet with a Hellraiser, I think we would all lose our minds. Like, And I think most fans would lose their minds. But I, my answer to this question is yes. I believe they will come out with some sort of, you know, whether it be a helmet or whether it be a jersey, it'll be something new this year. I think I think Coach Elko is open to that type of thing, whereas past coaches, not mentioning names, we're not really open to that. We're not going to delve in the past. I'm saying yes, but I'm not going with you guys. I think we saw a preview of it for Duke's Media Day, and that was the all-white helmet without the stripe down the middle of it with the blue D. That is a new design, technically. With the white lid, too. I mean, with yes, the white face ne- mask. Yeah, we've never seen it. Now, they might have taken the practice helmets, slapped on the Ds really quick, and took some photos. It could be one of our helmets this year, but I, I do think that we're going to change it up as far as helmets go. Uh, I don't see us more of a jersey-type change, but a helmet for sure. All right, let's keep moving. This is for the listeners. So listen very carefully to this side bet. Will we have more than 25 listeners sit with us at any home game this year in Section 17? I'll start. I'm going to say, I'm just, I'm going to say this, and if I lose, I want to say no. I think we're going to have some fans come by, shake our hands, maybe give us a high five, but they're going to have their own seats to sit at. I don't know if they can stand Scott the whole game either. (laughs) Scott, Scott's, Scott should be up in the booth being an analyst, yelling at the refs. But I, I don't think so, guys. I, I think we'll have a lot of folks come by. We'd love to see you this season. I just don't see that many folks sitting with us. Guys, prove me wrong, please. All right, I'm going to go yes, and here's why. By the time the season ended last year, it wasn't uncommon for us to have five or six folks up there sitting with us. Uh, number two, we all have friends of ours, ours that have gotten season tickets for the first time this year. Um, we just, I just uh, met another couple of people that moved here from Virginia um, and they just bought season tickets. I found out yesterday. So anyway, I, and they know me, I, I think at the end of the day, I think we're going to build that. And, um, and so I'm going to say yes. And so please do come. So, and this is also our commercial. If you have not yet gotten your season tickets, call Christina at the Duke ticket office, please do it. Do it now. Let her know section 17 podcast sent you get your season tickets. If you go to two games, you might as well get season tickets. It's worth it. Jamie. I'm going to say yes. Cause I mean, honestly, it's a pleasure to sit with me. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I agree. The roller coaster of emotions I go through during a game too, is this worth the price of admission? So no, 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 no. Jamie was Nostradamus last year. Like, oh, this is a touchdown coming. And the opposing team will score the touchdown the very next play. Yeah. It was very eerie how you could predict, predict those things. 
Brian also uh, likes it if it rains, he can cuddle with Jamie. So that's it's a great Jamie's a cuddler. <laughs> yes. But yes, I think I think we'll have 25 because I think like Josh said, we know a few people that have gotten season tickets and they're have said they'll come and sit with us. And um and I just think we will end up having at least 25. All right. I'm supposed to be short and sweet here, but I have mixed emotions on this one, and I'll tell you why. Um, I want 25 people to show up, so I'm going to say no, and here's why I want 25 people to show up. Prove me and Brian wrong. 25 of you show up at the Temple game and sit with us, and then we know that we won't we won't get to take a big bite of that steak at the end of the year if we lose because we lost, and it'll be you guys – that proved us wrong, and that's what we want. We want you guys out there helping prove us wrong on these side bets. So, hey, be there, please. I, yeah, guys, if I lose on this one, that's fine with me. We would love to – seriously, we would love to have you in Section 17 with us as many games as possible. Let's keep this train rolling, guys. Let's head into the actual meat and potatoes of it. Will Duke football score 30 or more points in an ACC game? And – We'll add a little extra spice. If you say yes, which team will it be against? Who's going to go first? Josh? Yes, Georgia Tech. Yes, Georgia Tech. Jamie? Yes, Duke Beach, Georgia Tech, 38-13. to 13. You heard it here first. Score predictions are not until the episode week. Jamie, come on. Uh, you know what? Let's just clean sweep it. Yes, Georgia Tech. I think we're just going to dominate them. That was quick. Uh, so that we just answered our next one. Will we win an ACC game? All four of us. Yes, Georgia Tech, as well as some other games, some of us picked. Now for our fun one. Will Coach Elko or Nina King, friend of the podcast, be seen or photographed wearing their bleed blue shirt? Not the school issue bleed blue shirt. The Section 17 bleed blue shirt. They do have them. And if folks, you do not have yours yet, we will have them available opening night, September 2nd, in a lot B5. B5 with the hard hat guys. You can come see us. They're $20 each. There's your second advertisement. Um, I'm going to start, and I'm going to be the negative Nancy. I'm going to say no. And here's why. Just do it. Just do it, baby. I don't think they're allowed to. And quite honestly, I don't blame them. You don't want to piss off your uh, your supplier. Will they wear it, though? Absolutely. Just not in front of cameras or on TV or anything like that. So I'm personally going to say no. Scott, what do you think? Um, I hate agreeing with Brian. That drives me insane. But I agree for the same purposes. Um, but again, another opportunity. Hey, Coach Elka, hey, Nina, prove me wrong. I'll gladly sit there and pay my portion of a steak dinner for someone else if I lose this one, too. I'm fine with losing the side bets if it comes out to making everything look good. All right, I'm, I'm going to go no. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to go no. Here's Here's why. If we had gotten them to all of Coach Elko's family, I feel like maybe like a daughter or somebody or son would have posted like a Instagram story of them like doing something at the house and maybe 
we would catch somebody with it on. But I'm going to still say no. I, we didn't do that. Nina King and her family are pretty private. Um, and so for the same Josh, reason Brian said, I'm going to go no. There's there's still time. I know, but. There's still time. I mean, saying, let's be honest. I mean, yes, Coach no. has his shirt, but we can get his family some shirts. I know. And, and by the way, uh, Duke football, it's about time. If you don't want our lead blue shirts to get all over the stadium like they like they were at the open practice last Sunday, if you don't want ours to get all over the stadium, it's about time to release the bleed blue Nike official Duke t-shirts and the Nike official grind t-shirts and let the people buy the merch. Please, God. All right, Jamie. Yeah, I'm going to say no as well. And really, it's just for the reason that Brian stated, because Nike rules all over there at Duke, so. Yeah, you never know. I mean, we've we've been surprised by everything that's happened since this uh, new regime has come in, but we got to be real when it comes to this. All right, guys, last one, and we thank you all for listening to this episode. I know it's been a little bit of a long one, but this is probably one of our most favorite episodes of the season. And we kind of alluded to it earlier, but guys, I kind of threw this in last minute as well. Will any Duke football record be broken this year? Any. It could be special teams. It could be kicking. It could be rushing, receiving, passing, uh, sacks, you name it. Any record, and we do have an insider with Duke that will tell us if if a record is broken. Will any Duke football record be broken in the first year for Coach Mike Elko? Jamie? Does the uh, rookie record for interceptions, does that count? Absolutely. I predicted Chandler Rivers to get six. And what what did you say the uh, record was four? Four by Breon in 13. Yep. I'm going to say yes. I'm I'm still going to stick with with my guy and say that he gets six interceptions and breaks that record. Okay. Josh? Can I ask a question, a clarifying question? Yeah. Would a a head coach going 3-0 and in his first three games be a record? No, Coach Cutcliffe did that a lot. No, no, no. His first ever three games. Oh, for Duke? Yeah. Let me effort on that. So, well, don't, but uh, let me ask you. So, I, mean, I guess my question is, would that be a record? Like, if we win three and no one else has done that, would that count as a record being broken? You get what I'm saying? I, I'm going to go way back. I think Wallace Wade did it. Well, like we'll in ni- so, in I'm ni- going to say I'm gonna say yes, though, based upon that premise, that I don't know that anybody else has gone 3-0 and to start out, and I picked us to go 3-0. and Okay. I don't know if any other coach has gone 3-0 and in his first season at Duke. And, and I will give you this. If I find out that another coach has, I'll tell so, you. But it's all good. I'm already going to – I'm just going to go yes and maybe okay. something else will happen. So, that's that's two yeses. I know we won't break the turnover record of uh, – of, I'm not even going to say his name. Boy, we, we are really true. delving into the past. Can we, we just – have a truce with, with our guy, man. Shout out App State. Go ahead, Scott. All right. Um, I'm just going to go yes. I don't really have a philosophy or anything like that with it. I just I think there's a chance that something will happen that, you know, and it probably would be something obscure that we never thought would happen. So Brian, I think, is going to break some news here. So go ahead, Brian, break that news. Hey, Josh, uh, just so you can think about this, head coach of none – there was no coach, so we're going to give this to the captain, Tom Daniels, in 1891. They played 
They played three games, and they won all three. I mean, that's not a coach. I mean, you got – I mean, all right. Uh, oh, I'm oh, 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 no, I got you. I got you. I got you. A uh, legit coach. 1920, head coach Floyd J. Egan went 4-0 in his first four starts. Okay, then I'm going to say no. Change mine to no. No? Okay. Change mine to no. That was I wanted to give you thing. that. I just feel like with a first-year head coach, all the position things are going to be very difficult to break a record on. That's just my my opinion. But hey, VJ Anthony can break break the freshman record for sacks. You know what I'm saying? Like, like as 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 uh, Jamie said, Chandler Rivers can break it for interceptions. There's some things that could happen, but I'm gonna go no. Okay. Hmm. I gotta play the game, but I also gotta be real. I think I'm gonna go with Josh. I'm gonna go no. I, I think there's still some things we're gonna figure out unless we just find gold in some of these games and some of these guys, like Jamie said, like Chandler Rivers gets like two interceptions in a game, which would he would only be two off for the rest of the season. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go no as well. Again, I love these because guys, if you're listening and you're on the team, prove me wrong. Break some records. We'd love to see it in person. Jamie, you had something to say? Yeah, I thought we should have uh, done one more side bet. Uh which fan base will I piss off this year? You know, last year it was Tennessee the Tennessee Vols where we got into a bit of a Twitter war, will it be, you know, NC State, like the guy the other day, or what What fan base? I was going to say, you, you've already started this year with an Atlantic Coast foe and soon-to-be uh, in-state foe, State. I, I don't know where that guy came from, but I guess he had nothing better to do. But, no, we're, we're going to hold on to that because I don't want to do that because then you're just going to be going after people just for no reason, just to upset them for sure. So, but that's it, guys. That's our side bets. That's our uh, our picks for who we think is going to lead the season. But it's been a, a great episode, and we're looking forward to coming back in a couple of weeks as we preview Temple. But before we leave, Josh has one more item to discuss before we close shop. Hey, listen, the organization I lead uh, needed heating and air work. In fact, we needed a complete overhaul at the church that I lead. And we looked and found what we felt like would be the best fit for us, and that happened to be Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Uh, based here in the Triangle, uh, Jamie and his team at Comfort came in and took care of us personally. Uh, they communicated very well. They held to their word. Um, they, they showed up when they said they were going to be there. They did the job they said they were going to do. And so if you are looking for commercial installation or service for heating and air, uh, look no further in the Triangle than Comfort Mechanical Contractors. You can call them at 919-383-2502. That's 919-383-2502. Once again, that's Comfort Mechanical Contractors. When you call them, mention the Section 17 podcast. Thanks, Josh. And they've been a great sponsor for us so far in this third season. But that's going to do it for us. We will be back, if you can believe it, in two weeks for the season opening episode as we prepare to open the season against Temple, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on September 2nd, ACC Network. For Josh Cox, for Jamie Holt, for Scott Medlin, for producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Podcast.